Morning, saints. It's good to be in the house of the Lord and gather with his people, isn't it? It's good to hear the word of God. And let me encourage you, this thought just went through my mind. This is, doesn't have anything to do with the sermon per se. If you're reading scripture and you just hit a brick wall and you don't understand it, keep going. Keep reading. I've had times where I'm studying, getting ready for a sermon, and I hit a brick wall, and I get nothing out of it. But you keep praying, and you keep studying. The Lord's going to open up that door, open up this truth to you, and it's going to be sweet, amen? It's going to be great. And um, the great thing about Scripture, you never exhaust it. You will never get this book completely. You can study all your life. You can go to seminary. You can know the languages. And you'll never exhaust this book. God has blessings for us to, to learn about him, to learn his word. And the blessings are eternal. We're going to be in the, the book of Psalms again. The book of Psalms is, was used for uh, Jews worship and celebration. If you read the Psalms, you'll, you'll relate to something in there. Uh, it goes to the heights of joy, the depths of depression, adoration, confession. And you'll find yourself in Psalms. More importantly, you'll find Jesus in the Psalms. When our Lord rose again from the grave and he finally convinced those knucklehead disciples that he had risen. And the scripture says he opened up the scriptures and the Psalms concerning himself. You'll find Jesus in this book, in the book of Psalms, because they talk about him. I'm going to be in Psalm 5 today, and it's a Psalm of David. We don't know the context of uh, why he wrote this Psalm. Sometimes the Psalms give a little introductory footnote. Uh, we know that David's going through a lot of trouble. Um, how's that? Better? Okay. David wrote these words, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for I pray to you. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies, bloodthirsty and deceitful men, the Lord abhors. But I, in your great mercy, will come into your house. In reverence, I will bow down towards your holy temple. Leave me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make straight your way before me. Not a word from their mouth can be trusted. Their heart is filled with destruction. Their throat is an open grave. Their tongue, with their tongues, they speak deceit. Declare them guilty, O God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. Banish them for their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. Let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them sing for joy. Spread your protection over them. Let those who love your name may rejoice in you. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with favor as with a shield. 
May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we just ask your spirit to open up this truth to our minds um, because our minds are so small and you are so great. So give us a glimpse into your character. Encourage us with your word. Change us, Lord. Mold us into the image of your son. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. David cries out to God, and I've got, I'm, I'm violating the rules of, preach, of preaching. I have five points instead of three. Usually, uh, Baptists have three points. You guys, some of you know what I'm talking about. Three points, two illustrations, and one joke. And we're going to have five points here. And they all start with the letter H. And sometimes preachers do that, help you learn it better. I think it's just the way the scripture presents itself. Point number one, God hears the cry of his people. God hears the cry of his people. He goes here in verse one, he says, my words, this is my words, O Lord, listen to my sighing. You ever sigh before the Lord? You've been so depressed. You've been so sad. You've been so beat down. You don't have time for flowery language to God. Great God, Lord of heaven and earth, ruler of the universe, creator. Ah, oh, God, you're so beat down. You sigh. You're hurting inside. Anybody say amen to that? You're hurting on the inside. You're so wounded. And sometimes you can't express how you feel to God with words. But the, but the Lord knows your heart. Yeah. The Lord knows our hearts. It, it was a, a sigh. He says it was a cry for help. You know, think about poor Peter who had his ups and downs with Jesus. He's walking on the water. Talk about a miracle. He's walking on the water. People don't walk on water. And all of a sudden, Peter's looking around. It's storming. It's raining. The waves hit him in the face. And he starts to sink because he quits trusting Jesus. And he says, he doesn't say, oh, God, Lord of heaven and earth. He says, Lord, help. And Jesus pulled him up. You see, you, you, you can cry to God for help, and he'll hear you. Now, his cry, his, he, God heard him based on his power and authority. He says, listen to my cry for help, my king and my God, for to you I pray. We come to God. 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 You understand my point? The God of heaven, who did create the heavens and the earth, who is powerful, who does hear our cry, who does care about our hurt. God has the power to deal with us according to his will and to lift you up out of any situation you're in. Somebody say amen. But we have to ask in faith. He says there, I lay my request before you, and I wait in expectations. 
Now, God will answer you, but he will answer you when he sees fit. God is not a um, credit card. You can just swipe the card and get what you want. And you parents know when your kids want something, they want it now. He said, not now. And they keep on asking. And sometimes in your wisdom, you say, well, either you say yes, you say no, you say wait. But the kid, as a child, doesn't want to wait. I want that candy bar now. I want to go play now. I want to watch my favorite cartoon now. And it doesn't always work that way, does it, mom and dad? God does the same thing with us. We have to wait. And sometimes that's hard. Because <laughs> we want it now. God not only hears the cry of his people, God hates the cruelty of sinners. Verse 4, he says, You are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. With the wicked you cannot dwell. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies. There's a progression here. And this is the character of God. One, God has no pleasure in wickedness. God hates sin. That's kind of a given. But sin offends the holy nature in God. He sees it. He does not like it. And we've all sinned, haven't we? We're all sinners. And we sin before a righteous and holy God. And he says, he will not have sin in his presence. He says, he cannot stand in his presence. God abhors sin. And God goes even so far, he says, he hates sinners. That's a hard pill to swallow. But, but, but God is love. Yes, he is. But God's also just. God must punish sin. Amen? Now, do you think in that day when the Lord has that final judgment... That when unbelievers are cast into the lake of fire that burns forever and ever and separated from God's presence, that God's attitude is, I really don't want to do this, but I have to send you to hell. You know, that's not God's attitude. When God judges people and sends them to hell, they are experiencing the anger and wrath of God. No amens? God hates sin. But how can God love me and hate sin at the same time? The cross. The cross. God pulled his anger that I deserve and you deserve on his son. When his son dared to stand between me and the wrath of God. God poured his wrath 
on Christ. Please don't think of God as some loving old man up there in heaven. He is a holy and righteous God who loves us, yes, but he must punish sin. Sin cannot go unpunished or he would not be a just and holy God. Number three, not only does God hear the cry of his people, he hates the cruelty of sinners. He helps consecrate his people. Verse 7, he says, I, by your great mercy, will come into your house. In reverence, I will bow down toward your holy temple. Through his mercy, God sets us apart. He consecrates, consecrates us. All the garbage we go through is for a reason, isn't it? We just finished our small group, uh, the book of Genesis. And it's a great book. Read it. You know, and you're going to read the genealogies and you go through that, but you hear, you see humanity. And here's Joseph. Here's Joseph, and he goes through a lot of junk. He gets sold into slavery. He gets falsely accused of a crime. He, gets, he makes a prediction that is forgotten about two years. Then God exalts him. And God used him to preserve his family. And he says a great uh, line in Genesis chapter 50. He says, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. For the believer, the Bible says God works all things together for good. All things are not good. But God is so great, he can use the junk you go through for your good and for his glory. Amen? We can be separated to God, consecrated, separated for God's use. We can worship him. He says here, by your great mercy, I will come into your house. In reverence, I will bow down toward your holy temple. The believe, you know why God saved you? You know why God saved you? To bring glory to his name. That's why he saved you. You know, getting out of hell is a great fringe benefit. But God saved us that we could bring glory to his name. That we could praise the one who loved me in spite of my sin. Even though I deserve to go to hell, he sent his son to die for me. That I could be reconciled to God. That God will not see my sin, but he will see the righteousness of his son. And God will welcome me into his kingdom. Because he's clothed me with his righteousness. And if you're here today and you are, one of you are saved, you are clothed with the righteousness of God. You might not, oops, something broke. Uh, that's all right. I broke a plate this week myself. But you are clothed with God's righteousness. God does not see, will not see your sin. He will see his son. And don't forget what God says about Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And when God sees you and sees the righteousness of his son on you, he is well pleased with you. And there is no reason 
why God will not let you in, the, in heaven. Because you are as righteous as the sun. You are as righteous as the sun. We, he can lead us in righteousness, it says here. Uh, and he will make straight your, it says, make straight your way before me. You know, God's, God's path is, is a narrow path. I think about the gymnast. You ever see the Olympics with those gymnasts? They weigh 10 pounds, and they go flipping on that bar. And it's about four inches wide, and they do things I cannot even dream of. They flip forward, they flip backwards, and they land, bam, right on that bar. And if they lean a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right, they can fall, you see. God leads us in a straight path. A straight path does not mean that it's not a path without problems or difficulties. There is a path that is straight, not distracted, not distracted by this world. Uh, God told Joshua as they were getting ready to go into the promised land, don't veer from my word to the left or to the right. He can consecrate his people, keep us on the right path, as we follow Christ. God not only hears us, hates sin, helps to consecrate us, but he highlights the character of the unrighteous. Oh, by the way, when we're going through a trial in this life, God knows the righteous. He also knows the unrighteous. He understands the ways of sinful people that oppose God and hate God's people and hate everything that God represents. So don't believe, don't, don't worry about it. God's got your back and God's on your side. God highlights the character of the unrighteous. Now, verse, um, verse 9 says, Not a word from the mouth can be trusted. Their heart is filled with deceit. Their throat is an open grave. Their tongues speak deceit. If this verse sounds familiar to you, Paul quoted this verse in Romans Chapter 3, describing how sinful man is. See, David not only had to deal with a physical danger, of, uh, a physical danger maybe his life, but he had to deal with people who just spoke every bitter word they could. You ever dealt with someone like that? They're filled with lying, anger, Bitterness, deceit, they have nothing good to say about anything. Can I get an amen? They have nothing good to say. Their heart is filled with destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They're just bitter and they're angry and they're hateful and they're spiteful. Like I said, God knows. He highlights the, the character of the righteous. He knows what's in their heart. He knows in your heart. He knows the, the hurt that you're going through. He knows the difficulties you're going through. He also knows the bitterness of the heart of someone who does not know him. 
And may I encourage you, if you do not know Christ, you can look good in church. We all look good in church. But God knows your heart. Amen. God knows your heart. He knows when you lie. He knows when you steal. He knows when you're hypocritical. He knows when you're angry. He knows when you're spiteful. And God will deal with that evil as only he can. And finally, God heightens the celebration of the believer. Now, here in verse 11, he says, let all who take refuge in you be glad. Look at the difference between verse 1 and verse 11. Verse 1, he is depressed. He's crying. He's sighing. He just reaches out to God. But by the end of this psalm, he's rejoicing. You see, God can take your grief, and your grief is real. And in the midst of your grief, he can bring into it joy. He can bring joy. And he's not just thinking about himself. He says, let all who take refuge in you be glad. You see, oftentimes God will take the hassle we go through. And when he brings us through it, not around a problem, God does not take you around your problems, does he? He takes you through your problems. But he's with you. But he takes you through your problems, gives you relief, and now our nature says, oh, man, God, I got through that hassle. Whew. And then the next hassle comes down. He brings us through our trials that we could minister to someone else. That we can take someone who was maybe going through something very similar to us we're going through and comfort them and walk with them through that trial. You see, great example is Jesus and his humanity. You read the Gospels and you see what Jesus went through in his humanity. And the Bible says, because he suffered these things, he is a merciful high priest. He has been there. Isn't that comforting? That you might feel that nobody understands you. He gets you. He understands you. People don't like me. They wanted to kill him even when he was a baby. That's an affirmation of truth. <laughs> he spoke the truth. They wanted to kill him. Matter of fact, they did. They got, they got to him and killed him, didn't they? You ever have a friend betray you? Well, Jesus had Judas. Ever have your friends say, I got your back? And when the heat was on, they all fled. Jesus knows what that's like. He, he knows what we're going through. And he can highlight our celebration. He's gone from this depression to this celebration. God can bring us through this. 
He can give us joy in the midst of it. Peace in the midst of it. Praise in the midst of it. One of the great scenes that Paul is, preaches the gospel in Philippi. Remember what happened to Paul? He cast out that demon and that girl who made them a lot of money. because She was doing a sorcery and predicting and cost them a lot of money. They beat him with 39 stripes and threw him in jail. No medical attention. Open wounds in a dirty Roman jail. You know what Paul's doing? Is he cussing out his uh, accusers? No. He's singing hymns of worship. And only God can do that. Only the Lord can help us to worship him in the worst situations. David changes from verse 1 to verse 16. He encourages others to, he encourages us to find refuge in God. Let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. And he's thinking of others, see. God can change us. God can take us from point A to point B. And he might not change the situation, but God can change us by his power. And we can worship God in the midst of all our trials. We can worship God when we're hurting. We can worship God when we're, we're searching. And yes, you can worship God with tears in your eyes. And yes, you can, you can seek God when you don't even know what to say to God. He knows your heart, and he loves you. One of the great truths in Scripture, Paul said nothing will separate you from his love. The powers of hell can throw everything at you, and you're getting beat up. Nothing will separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ. And how do you know that? Because he sent his son to die for you. Amen. God can't love you any more than that. God can't love you any more than to give you his son to pay for your sin, that you could come into his presence and be with him forever. Is life hard? Yeah. Is grace bigger? Yeah. Let's pray, shall we? And Father, bless your word. And I pray you will help us to apply it and just help us to see it and help us to grow from it. And in spite of these babbling lips, may your spirit bring that truth to life to us. In Jesus' name, amen.